What's good, everybody? My name is Dr. Bettina Love. And my name is Chelsea Kelly Love. And you are listening to Teaching to Thrive. Teaching to Thrive is a podcast committed to sharing ideas that strengthen the everyday lives of Black and Brown students within our schools and communities. Each episode is aimed at empowering our shared knowledge for collective liberation. We know Rosalind by so many names, Auntie Roz and Miss Duff, but today the expert Rosalind Duff will be joining us. Roz is a transformative educational leader and activist with more than a decade of experience in education. Duff has studied the intersectionality of SEL mindfulness, equality, and leadership through a year-long transformative educational leadership program at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. She is a certified meditation instructor through Emory University's Center for Complicative Science and Compassion-Based Ethics. For three years, Duff co-piloted the C-Learning program with Black and Brown youth through a culturally relevant after-school program that she designed. Welcome, Rosalind Duff. Well, I want to start by saying peace and blessings to everyone, and thank you, Chelsea Cully Love, for that introduction. And also, I'm happy to be here hanging out with Dr. Bettina Love, talking about what it means to thrive. Just to add on, right now I'm currently serving as the Create Teacher Residency Program's Equity Coordinator. It's a teacher residency in Atlanta. I'm a former third grade teacher and I'm a future Georgia State University doctoral student in teacher education where I'll be concentrating on critical contemplative pedagogy. So that just means that I'm focusing on liberation. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're so excited to have you. So just tell us how you got started. Tell us about your journey. How did you begin to centering SEL in the lives of students? Yeah, so the why behind the work that I do is really simple. I'm passionate about children. I love to see them shine. I'm a proud auntie. I have two beautiful nieces that are in school right now. One is a rising first grader. The other one is going to be in her first year of middle school in the fall. And Looking back, they really inspired my journey in the classroom and to celebrate culture in the classroom. I really want them to be proud of who they are and to know who you are is at the heart of SEL. So I center SEL on the lives of students and teachers because their whole lives matter. Students' holistic lives matter to me. I care about their inner lives and how that inner life impacts their external lives. And I am reminded of Dr. King. He spoke these words. Every man lives in two realms, the internal and the external. So the internal is the realm of the spiritual ends expressed in art, literature, morals and religion. And the external is the complex of devices, techniques, mechanisms and instrumentalities by which we live. And so when he talks about that, I'm I'm focusing on 
the internal and I, I look at children and I want them to be creative and innovative. And so my journey with centering SEL, like I said, began with my, my nieces, but it also began with my own experience in high school where I learned guided meditation. I didn't know that that's what I was learning. Um, as a, a young actor, I went to a youth performing arts school and I could just tell the difference in my ability to connect with the work that I was doing um, versus students who I was teaching who were constantly, it seemed to me like under pressure, under stress, you know, to pass a test. And so I wanted to infuse self-expression and joy and self-actualization into their lives. And I was reading a book called The Way of Mindful Education while I was um, working on my master's to actually become a teacher. And I was in a fourth grade class and I remember I was inviting the chime and I did that for about two weeks and I was really about to give up. But it was this young brown boy that walked up to me one day and he was like, you know, you haven't rung the chime today. And I was like, yeah, you know, I was really had forgotten about it. And um, he said, "Will you ring the chime today. And I said, well, why? And he looked at me so sincerely and he was like, because it makes the class calm. Ooh. And that, that really like pulled at my heart. And I really, that's why I practice mindfulness with children. And that was really the gateway into SEL. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And you touched on a little bit too, you know, why SEL is important, the joy, the self-actualization, knowing yourself. So what is it that you think teachers need to know about SEL as it pertains to black and brown students? What is it that you want teachers to know? Well, first, uh, I want to say that this is not an add-on. SEL is not an add-on. It's actually a practice. It can't be departmentalized into a portion of the day. It has to be an authentic, culturally relevant practice infused. Hold on, hold on. Say that one more time. Say that one more time. It's not an add-on. Give it to me one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that this is not an add-on. That SEL is a practice. It cannot be departmentalized into a portion of the day. It's not something you pull out of a box. It's something, it's it's your being. And it it has to be authentic and culturally relevant and infused into all aspects of the day. So the first step is uh, reaching into your students to build a bridge, meaning that this work is about relationships. And it really starts with it starts with the educator having a, a relationship with themselves because it's about how you show up in front of these children. That That's what really matters. And we have to approach SEL as it pertains to black and brown children as authentically as possible. Because I'm going to tell you something, you get in front of our kids and they're going to know if you're faking. They can mm-hmm. tell when you don't care and you don't know or if somebody just told you to do it and now you're doing it as a mandate. This means spending time with yourself. Yeah. You have to be connected. You have to understand what your triggers are. You have to understand what makes you happy. What makes you sad? Where's your story start? Because this is about humanization. I love that. I really do. So explain to us when we celebrate black and brown excellence, what do you mean? What should we do when we say 
black excellence, black joy. When you hear those words, what does that mean in terms of SEL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is a great question because uh, on my journey, what I found is that doing that self-study that I was just talking about, I ran into a book by a man named Naeem Akbar. He wrote this book called Know Thyself. Mm-hmm. And in it, he's really speaking from this perspective of Black excellence and Black joy. And knowing who you are, you'll understand that your life really depends on this aspect that you talk about, Black excellence. You are Black excellence. You are Black joy. It's within you. And to go a little bit deeper, the tool that you asked about is like self-awareness. When you know who you are and you know what you're connected to, you're less likely to do the things that are not you. And what I mean by that is like, if I know that I live at a certain standard, when somebody doesn't hold me to that standard or tries to lower the bar on me, I don't miss the mark because I'm not living by that standard. Right. So I always show up at this level of excellence. And I always keep this joy because part of black and brown students knowing who they are is knowing the legacy and the history of oppression. Yeah. I was listening to Nikki Giovanni and Angela Davis conversation last night. Nikki Giovanni got a question. I think it was around beauty. And she said, um, you know, how are you going to ask the oppressor, the person who hates you, you're beautiful. Yeah. It don't work like that. Right. (laughs) It it don't work like that. Um, no, I, I love your answer. So um, what you got? What you got, Chelsea? I'm just curious as to how you facilitate SEL that's anti-racist. How do you make sure that this practice is is an anti-racist practice that is incorporated into all aspects of our lives? Yeah, so I, that question is so interesting because more and more of the work that I do now Chelsea is really helping people to understand the integration of SEL with equity work, mm-hmm. talking to teachers. One of the reasons why I positioned myself outside of the classroom is because I started to see how imperative it was to really get other teachers to see the importance of SEL, that they had to see the importance of equity work. So when I hear this word anti-racist, I think about that's the work of understanding the system of racism. Mm-hmm. And so when I facilitate, um, I facilitate from um, a framework that I'm actually developing in my position as an equity coordinator where I break down. Um, and actually, I got this uh, information from Jamila Liscott in her book, Black Food, White Appetite. She talks about the four eyes of oppression. And so you really got to understand that framework, the ideology Uh, which is the idea, where did the idea of of oppression come from? Uh, The internalization, you know, how do you see yourself and how does it show up in your your self-talk? And self-talk right there is straight SEL. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Then the um, next level is interpersonal. So when I'm interacting with people, am I enacting racism upon other people? You know, my, my biases or biases, And then everybody can talk about the last I, which is institutional. Everybody wants to talk about the system, but they don't want to talk about how they are operating within that system. They can't articulate that. So when I when I facilitate and even when I was facilitating in the classroom, 
I still had an understanding and still needed the understanding of how the system of racism and oppression work in education. But then not only that, because that's only one side of it. Mm-hmm. The other side is the four S's of liberation. And that's where I, I like I live right there. And so if you don't know the four S's, it really comes from this book called The Triple Focus by Daniel Goldman and Peter Sange. And they they come from emotional intelligence and neuroscience. And so every time there's an I, there has to be an S. Every time there's oppression, we have to have liberation. Mm-hmm. So with the first I of the ideology, you got to know who you are. That's the structure of your identity. If y'all don't mind me breaking this down a little bit. I got the space and I, you know, I don't know whose heart Please. this can touch. I just want to break this down. When you, when you think about the ideology, where did racism come from? You also have to look into the structure of your identity because your identity is wrapped up in that ideology mm-hmm. because you get it when you're very young. Then when you think internalization, there is the the S, the liberation that comes is your self-awareness. You become aware that you are nature, that nature is you, and that you're bigger than what the system says that you are. That allows for self-compassion and not just the flowery, you know, hallmark kind of love or self-care, but the deep inter-understanding of how you're mind impacts your emotions mm-hmm. and what you think impacts how you feel. Then I said the third eye was interpersonal. Well, that's social awareness. You got to be aware of how you're showing up, how you're talking to people, being authentic. And then, like I said, that last S was the institution of oppression, which happens, you know, we're looking at education, but can happen in other sectors, politics, economics, and all that. But you have to be aware of the system Mm -hmm. and how you are playing a part in it so that you can deconstruct it. So that's how I facilitate SEL that is anti-racist. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm hearing so much is this idea that to be a teacher who does anti-racist, equitable, loving, compassionate, SEL, you got to know yourself. Heck yes. Right. right. And that's so much aligning with um, the work of Yolanda Celia Ruiz, who talks about this idea of archaeology of self. Yes. Right. And trying to get you to understand who you are. You know, I always say if you, if you want the schools to be good, the teachers got to be good. If you want the school, you want the babies to be well, you know, the students, the teachers got to be well. So I just I just love, you know, before we jump into this is how it's done in a classroom, we got to always back up and say, who are the people teaching our babies and are they well? If their social and emotional intelligence is not well, how are you going to be a good social and emotional intelligence teacher? All right. So I just love this idea of backing us up to really have those conversations with ourselves before we think about implementation. I was just I'm just curious, because when we have this understanding of SEL and knowing that it's not just something that you can throw into the classroom, knowing that it's something that you have to practice. As teachers, we have so many things that are thrown at us, so many things that we have to do, and and you are incredibly familiar with that. 
I'm just wondering for the teachers who are listening and for parents who are listening, for students who are listening, if you have any ways in which we can actually just take the ideas and the practices of SEL and implement without the training into the classrooms, because we know so often what training looks like, but we have to sometimes back up and say, okay, if I need to do this right now, because I see the importance in it, how can I do this? So what are some practices that teachers can implement without training in order to help center their practices in equity and SEL? Yes, that's such a great question because that is also something that I think about as I support new teachers because I know that that's something that I struggled with myself as an educator was this, like, where do I get started and how can it not be just another thing that we do? And and I have to say, I was encouraged by reading uh, We Want to Do more than survive by Dr. Love. I would oh, say little plug, little yeah, plug. You know what I'm saying? That book right there, that is um yeah, you could start your journey by reading that book. And also <laughs> of course, um some other books, you know, and I, I know you could say, oh well, that's still training or that's reading, but really that work has got to start somewhere with you mm-hmm. before you get in front of the children and try to you know, fake this till you make it is is not worth it, especially with where we are in history with our children. Right. This is healing work. So books like Mindful Erase by Ruth King, and you don't have to devour these books, but just start munching on them. The Inner Work of Racial Healing by Rhonda McGee. Uh, You can check out Dr. Goli Muhammad's Framework for Cultivating Genius. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just really strongly encourage educators to take advantage of free materials that are out there, like Emory University's social, emotional, ethical learning curriculum that's free and incorporating mindful moments in their daily routine with students. Add your own flavor, you know, to any lesson or any mindful moment. Make it relevant for your students. Add art, any form of expression. There's a plethora of resources already available, like through vocabulary, that will help spark conversations about race and SEL. Oh, that is beautiful. Listen, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Rod. Thank you all so much. Your love. You really hit on everything we wanted to talk about today. And it's just an honor to have you. So thank you. Thank you, love family. I'm so blessed to be a part of this uh, movement of what it looks like to thrive. So keep doing your work. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Teaching to Thrive was produced by Dr. Bettina Love, Chelsea Cully Love, and Dr. Kelly Morgan Gunn. The musical arrangement was provided by Dr. Gail Surden. We'd also like to thank our kids for being quiet.